0: Um, does anybody does anybody know uh, Pastor Duke Do You guys know him? I know him. Hmm. This this is more like this is up his alley. This is he's 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 more of a a storyteller, I guess. And this is kind of set up as a storytelling. And I thought, man, maybe I need to get a chair and sit it down in the middle, and we put some campfire crackles on the speakers and something, make a story out of it. Uh, one of the reasons I'm not good at telling stories is because my lack of name memorization. <laughs> Whenever I try to tell stories I stutter on names and there's lots of names here and they're weird names which always makes it even, well as you just saw, makes it harder when they're weird names. Uh, good old Matthew chapter number one. That, that was our first Sunday, that's right, and uh, we read that, that chapter on our first Sunday here and, and it was interesting. Went a lot better tonight, I think. We've we've gotten a lot better reading out loud, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And if he didn't know one, he would every once in a while. And that's fine. And and I caught myself, uh, I read this this chapter in this book, um, Eternity in Their Hearts. I got this one used. I didn't get it used from the site you sent me, Keith, because I'm a procrastinator like Katie. And uh, I had like... Uh, it was right before Christmas, and I thought, oh, i got to get that book ordered. Um, and, and I've learned from the last couple studies, I think if I study too far ahead on things like this I get kind of confused, so we're going to work through it uh, one people at a time and one story at a time, and uh, I've kind of done a little bit of background check on this first study. I don't, I don't know what the rest of them are. I've heard of one in here, and I can't wait to get to it. It's, it's a pretty interesting account. And Christy asked me the other day how I, how I heard of the book and I can't remember I remember who was telling me about it I don't remember where I saw it who told me Somewhere it came up and I thought wow that sounds like a really neat book The guy was kind of telling the story from the book and I thought that sounds really neat I'm gonna get that book and then I thought well that'd be a great Sunday night study. So Here we are and then I kind of struggled. I'm like well Maybe we maybe this would be a good Wednesday night study during our pins, because I think there's so seven. There's seven. I thought, man, maybe that would be a good Wednesday night study. So I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do Wednesday nights during his pens. If you've got any suggestions or would you like to do it, let me know. So we are going to backtrack in time. uh, Even before Jesus Christ, we're going to go back to 600 BC and we're going to go to Athens. And not just Athens, but a place in Athens that you've probably all heard of called Mars Hill. It's, it's more than just a school down the road. Uh, Mars Hill is a, a town uh, in in uh, Athens. And during this time, in the 6th century before Christ, this council met at Mars Hill, which was their council of elders. Um, now remember, Jesus had... not The manger was, Matthew chapter 1 had not been presented yet. We're still 600 years before that. Um, And at this time, uh, the Jews are a well-known people and their God is well-known of because of everything that happened in Egypt. Um, So that kind of word spread. But the world was so full of paganism and there were so many gods um, just like, uh, really just like we have today. Uh, you know every religion has their own God and some religions have multiple gods. We've studied some religions before, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, and uh, some of those religions have so many gods that they can't even keep track of how many gods there are. And this society in Athens and on Mars Hill was no different. They had hundreds of gods and they had statues built to these gods and they would sacrifice to these gods to try to appease the gods. anybody ever studied Greek mythology in in high school or college or or whatever a little bit? Um, The reason that that subject is really uh, pertinent to us today because a lot of those, you know, they call it Greek mythology, but I don't believe it's quite as mythical as what they would lead on. I think a lot of those uh, gods that they serve and worship, and and, uh, I think a lot of those are realities of the past, um, possibly even uh, pre-flood. So we see that uh, we are in Athens, Greece, uh, modern day Greece, and paganism is rampant, and the reason this council is meeting is because there is a plague across the land. So this council was meeting to discuss the reason for the plague, and they were discussing which gods they had tried to appease, and they basically ran out of gods to appease So they brought one of the wise men into the council meeting. We'll call his name Nicholas because I can't pronounce it. So they brought Nicholas into the council meeting, and they said, Nicholas, we have tried everything. He was the uh, communicator between the oracle because uh, even in the Bible, oracles are talked about as prophets or seers. Um, They have a a certain link to the spiritual realm. So Nicholas was a liaison to the oracle of that town. And so Nicholas came forth before the council and they were asking him what could be done and which God, had they not appeased yet, and which God's wrath was being poured out on the people because of this plague. Uh, I mean, people were dying left and right. So Nicholas came and said, well the seer says that there's one God that we've not appeased yet and she's not familiar with him. So they said, Nicholas, what's your suggestion? What do we do? So Nicholas said, I suggest that we go to Crete. There is a wise prophet in Crete. Now if you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to look at Titus chapter number 1. I guess I should have turned there. Verse number 12. Now this is the Apostle Paul telling Titus about uh, these people that we're studying today, these Athenians. And specifically in verse number 12, it says, One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. So we have an account from the Apostle Paul to this prophet in Crete. And this prophet's name just happens to be Epidemius. Epimendes. Epimendes. Epimendes, is that what it is? Isn't it funny how you read a book and you don't know a name, you just replace it with something that you do know, and then when you go to talk about it, you sound like an idiot? You're experiencing that right now. <coughs> Epimendes. Well, uh, if you did study Greek philosophy in philosophy class in, in college, there is something called the Epimendes paradox, which is this Epimendes was a Cretan and he said, all Cretans are liars. <laughs> Sam got it. <laughs> so is that the truth or is that not the truth? He's a Cretian, so if he's a liar, then all Cretans must, must, wait a minute. Well, so he's saying they're liars, so he must be telling the truth, but he's a Cretian, But, he, but cr- all Cretans are liars. See, see how that works itself around? And so this is a historical, we, we now have a biblical example of it. And it's also a historical fact and in the writings of Plato and, and several other places about this wise prophet in Crete. So the council suggested that they send Nicholas to Crete to find the wise man, to ask, that, to ask this wise man what god they have not appeased and why this plague is, is plundering their people. So he gets on a boat, sails across the Mediterranean Ocean uh, from Greece down to the island of Crete and he gets to Crete and looks up this Epimendes, and has a conversation with him. He says, I'm, a, I'm from uh, uh, the mainland of, of Crete, or, or from uh, Athens. Uh, this is our situation, there's a major plague going on and there is a God that is casting judgment upon us and we, and we, need, to, we need to know what the problem is. And Epimendes, it's kind of interesting because there's references actually in this book to this conversation that takes place. And he asks them how many gods they have. And, they, and, and Nicholas said, hundreds. And Epimendez says, that's your problem. <laughs> so he decides and agrees to, to sail back to the mainland with him and speak in front of the council of the Cretans. And, and when he gets there, he steps off the boat. He, he sees kind of the turmoil and the plague that has, take place, that has taken place and, and gripped the land. So he meets with the council. Uh, I want to go slow so I get this right. Uh, he meets with the council on this large hill where they would meet and uh, uh, worship their gods in, in kind of the high, the high place. And the Bible often talks about uh, tearing down the high places and, and so on and so forth. Um, there's a name for it in the Bible. That's what I'm looking for here real quick. Arapagus is the place. It's a, it's a high mounted rock on a hill, and he meets them at Arapagus to discuss what could be done to appease um, this god. So, Ep, Epinend, Epinendes yes. meets with the council on this high place and this high hill in the afternoon. And he said, there's, there's, there's a God that you've not, uh, not appeased yet. And he meets with this oracle and discusses the situation with her, and she tells him, again, that there's a, there is a, a God that they've not appeased yet. <clears throat> so he, he agrees to this fact in this matter, being the, a, pro, a pagan prophet, as you will. Apparently he must have consulted all his guys, and <laughs> they were satisfied. So uh, he gets together with the council, and he says this. He said, tomorrow morning you need to bring two color of sheep, multiple sheep two color. He said you're to bring them here this evening and not let them feed until morning. You need to bring a small flock of white sheep and a small flock of black sheep and he said bring them here and hold them here till first light and at first light tomorrow morning we'll all gather together and you'll release the, the sheep to graze on the hill first thing in the morning. Being as which, that they've, they've moved the sheep the night before, they've kept them pinned up all night, and the first thing sheep are going to want to do when you let them out of the pen in the morning on this fresh, lush, gr- green grass is what? <laughs> eat. <laughs> like They're going to stick their heads down and eat. He said, so in the morning, this, this is the plan. So uh, they all, they all ex- excuse themselves for the night, except for, of course, the shepherd, and uh, some councilmen that arranged for this kind of strange request um, to take place and everyone else retires for the evening and the next morning they all gather back, to, uh, the townspeople of Mars Hill, the entire council, this epidem- epidenzes and Nicholas and the seer and everyone's all gathered on this hill the following morning. So they release the sheep and this Epimendez in front of everybody bows his face down to the ground hands stretched abroad and starts uh, praying to this God that he has no idea who it is and he said whoever thou be choose ye this morning which sacrifice is acceptable unto you so he explained to the council that this God that they're not sure who is they're not sure who the God is so how do they know what he wants As a sacrifice, or what would please this unknown God. So they have two different types of sheep, lambs, and they release them at the mountain on the same time. And this prophet, this pagan prophet says, this is what's going to happen. Whatever sheep or whatever lamb, there it is, whatever sheep or whatever lamb that this God that we need to appease prefers, we'll ask him to, to make that lamb bed down. So the people are like, this, whatever. Because remember, these pagan gods that they worship and they sacrifice to, uh, usually it's to no avail. They're in kind of dire straits. All the gods that they've prayed to and worshipped all these years, is not helping. So they've sought outside their, their realm. <clears throat> so, uh, murmurs of approved mingling and the bleeding of hungry sheep. Never had the elders of Athens heard this line of reasoning before, but why, they wondered, must the sheep be of different color? Because they didn't know exactly what was an appropriate sacrifice for this God that they do not know. So the shepherds release the sheep and they go grazing on the hill. The, the bleeding of the sheep quiets down, and this Epidines is bowed down and praying to this God that he has no idea who is or what he even wants. And when you know it, that the white lambs all bed down at separate parks on this mountain and all the people are amazed because that is so unnatural for these sheep that have been pinned up all night first thing in the day for them to get on this uh, this lush grassed hill that they're normally not allowed to graze on because it was a sacred place and here a specific breed specific type of sheep are bedded down just like they asked this unknown God to do. So along with these sheep the council members were also to instructed to bring masons and these masons were to construct uh, altars at each spot that these sheep bed down. So the lambs bed down the masons get to work that that day and they work throughout the, the entire day to build these altars where these lambs have laid down and that evening they all congregate back together and they sacrifice these lambs that have bed down, and the plague was stopped abruptly. So they had appeased this God that they had no idea who it was. So one of the masons that was working on the uh, altars after this had been taken place said this. I can find it, it says with the pas- uh nope that's not it <clears throat> basically one of the masons said what is the name of the God that we should carve on these altars and one of the councilmen said this God was not concerned that we didn't know his name before the sacrifice or even after the sacrifice we've asked his forgiveness for not knowing his name I don't think we should put a name on it. So can anybody guess what they carved on the altars? The unknown god. So on the altars they carved the unknown god on these altars. This is 600 BC. <clears throat> now, several years has gone by and two old elders were walking down the road one day and they had walked past these altars where the grass had grown up and the moss and kind of had gone in shambles, and and these two uh, elders by now said, do you you remember when we were young councilmen and when those altars were beneficial? And the one said to the other, how can I forget? He said, I was the dummy that suggested that we carve a name in it. And he said, I was the guy that rounded up the shepherds and sorted out the sheep all night. He said, do you you think that people remember that miracle that took place? And he said, no, it's obviously not. So they agreed that day, the next council meeting, to get together and rehearse that account and that story because they felt like that now that they were in that elder position that they had failed the people by uh, reenacting and and remembering that story and that tradition and what those unknown altar God what they were even there for. So they chose the best altar. They kept that altar up and they maintained that altar along with all these other pagan gods that they still continued to worship and still continued to sacrifice. They still maintained that one altar. And if you go to Acts chapter number 17, we will see an account from the Apostle Paul. And we are going to begin... Verse number 7. Whom Jason had received, uh, and these all do contrary, and do decree of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city, and they had heard these things. And when they had taken security in Jason and the others, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, uh, whose coming thither went to the synagogue of the Jews. And these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, searched the scripture daily, whether those things be so. Therefore many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greek, and of men, not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge of the word of God was preached of Paul and Berea, They came thither and stirred up the people. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted uh, Paul brought him to Athens and received a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for uh, for to come to him with all speed they departed. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw a city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and when the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stocklines encountered him and they said, What will this babbler say? Others some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus of the resurrection. So <clears throat> Paul was uh, sent here to Athens, and he gets off the boat, and what does he see? He sees idols all over, everywhere, exactly what Epidens saw when he was there 600 years before. There's hundreds of gods that are all gods, and, and they can't keep it straight. It's like they have to take, oh, I don't know, maybe a Greek philosophy class to keep it all straight, and what God does what, and which one comes from who, and so on and so forth. So Paul goes to the synagogue, which is where the Jews were in that town, to meet with them. And, and the reason that he went there first is because he was telling those Jews about Jesus. They knew the Old Testament. That's what they were doing at church. They were looking at the Old Testament, so he reminded them of Scripture to tell them, and to show them from Scripture from the Old Testament, just like the Bereans he just uh, talked to. And the Bereans went back, went home, and searched the Scripture to see whether what Paul was saying was true. <clears throat> so he goes to these Jews at Athens and commune with them. But then he does something interesting. Then he goes out into the marketplace in the streets and he meets with the philosophers, like this Nicholas type and the Epidemius type. And he meets with them on the streets and he's telling them about Jesus. But guess what? They're so confused about these gods that they have. It's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And isn't it all the same? And isn't it all right? It's kind of what we live in today. So he disputed with these philosophers on the streets there in Athens. Um, So look at verse number 19. And they took him and brought him unto Arapagus. That's that place that Steve had up there saying, may we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were sent in their time, nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. So he meets with this council. Now remember, they for the most part, had forgotten about the miracle that this unknown God that chose his own sacrifice had wrought in that people. And these philosophers didn't teach that. They still taught about all their other gods. The philosophers must have known, however, um, what this altar was there for that unknown God and they must have had a, a little bit of inclination of what happened there that day. So, verse number 22, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. Now, you know, I've kind of always read that verse my, my whole life as meaning you're too superstitious. But did you notice that the Bible put that extra O on two? So it doesn't mean that you're You're above and beyond superstitious. It means that you're also superstitious. Kind of a just a slight pullback. That was kind of a slight pullback to me when I read it, kind of with fresh eyes this week, because I've always kind of read like Athenians. You're just you're you're super. You're so superstitious. But he kind of puts it as you you are this, but you're also superstitious. That's kind of what. It's kind of what I was taught in school, how to use that 002, just replace it with also. Do they still teach that in school? If you think it's a 1-0 or a 2-0, replace it with also, right? I think there's kind of a poem or something that goes with that, probably. I don't remember what that was. But all things you are too superstitious. So they're, they're also superstitious. So he's not saying that there's like there's no hope. But there is some hope that's found there on Mars Hill, but you're also superstitious. So they're looking at all these other gods, but there's also that one true God there. Look at verse number 23. For as I passed by and behind your devotions, isn't that interesting, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you. So Paul said, You've got all these devotions, all these idols, and all these statues that you worship, all these gods, and you also have one that says to the unknown God. Now, until I heard this story, read this story this week, I just always thought that they were kind of like, Well, in case, I've taught it this way, well, in case we left one out, let's just make an altar. To an unknown God, just so we don't leave any out. I've heard it preached and taught that way in my whole life. I've probably stood in this pulpit from this chapter and said the same thing. But they had all these pagan gods, but they also had not just an idol, not just a statue, but an altar to this unknown God. And that unknown God made himself known to them some 600 years before, before Jesus Christ was, had even stepped foot on the earth. This altar was set in place. The sacrifice was chosen by this unknown God to them. And this unknown God was appeased for a time, what? Such as this time we're reading about here in Acts chapter number 17. When God chose to send them, the Apostle Paul, with the complete full story of the sacrifice of what? Jesus Christ. and Verse number 24 Paul goes in to tell them who this unknown to them God is, God that had made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth and dwelleth not in temple made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things." And he made none of one blood of nations of men to dwell in all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed, isn't that interesting, and hath bound in their habitation that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art or man's device. The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commanded all men, Everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in that which he will judge the world in righteousness. By that man whom he hath ordained, therefore or thereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Who's he talking? Jesus Christ. That God had appointed himself once before; he was near. They had sought him once before, and now six hundred years later. Everything was put in place, the altar was there, the sacrifice had already been made, Jesus Christ, and these people had recently been made aware of this. Isn't isn't that amazing? So 600 years later, God revealed himself to these pagan worshiping uh, Gentiles. So, verse number 32, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, listen to this, some mocked, and others said, we will hear thee again on this matter. Isn't that what happens today? Some mock and some say, hmm, let me think about that. So to some people, they were so used to worshiping all these pagan idols, they thought, what's that altar? They would kind of looked at it as how I'd, I'd preached this before and how it had been taught to me, just, just in case. We, we had that altar there just in case we missed one. But the ones that knew the story about the plague that had been ceased and about the unknown God that chose his sacrifice, they said, hmm, that kind of makes a lot of sense. Maybe we should think on this stuff. And and Paul had possibly quoted some of their philosophers there in his speech that they had known and uh, for that time. So um, Paul didn't just go in there shooting guns and so on and so forth. He He surveyed the situation and uh, took charge of it and basically showed them what God had already put in place. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Some 600 years that this was, this was put in place for God's plan and God's purpose, these Athenians. So, what the name of the book, Eternity in Their Hearts. And I, I think, like I said, I haven't read it, but I think we'll continue to see these stories and these accounts of peoples around the world and around time that know that there is one true and one creator God. Even in, um, there, there's some more detail here to this. I didn't, I didn't want to read half or two pages. But even when they wrote the unknown God, the word God on that, on that pillar and on that altar, they even kind of wondered about how they should write that and how they should put that. Because if you look at the, Hebrew, the Greek and how that transfers over, Uh, And uh, we see that, oh, let's see, God in our language gave man, uh, initially called Abram, Uh, we see, I don't want to get into all that tonight, we'll be here forever. So man has always wondered what to call God. And there's even dispute about it today that if you don't say Yahuwah and Yahweh and so on and so forth that you're not even worshiping the right God. And I've had a Jehovah witness come to my house and tell me that we have to be careful to uh, be specific who we're praying to. Um, but what did God say that he held up more than his name? What was that? Ah, that's right. I magnify my word above my name. So that, that's the God that we serve, the God that spoke everything into existence as we've been studying about in Genesis the God that is in control of man's names that we looked at last week, last Sunday morning, that he can have people name their children to give us clues and hints in history to tell us that the flood is not the end, but there's ones whose death is coming and the despairing that will free us all. So that's the God that we worship. The God that we serve is the God that's in control of all these other little G gods because these other little G gods, they're creations of man's mind. And if they're creation of man's mind, man will come up... That's a good quote I wanted to read from this. I told you I didn't want to go too fast, but I think I did. there was a part in here that said that when man comprises a god and that god cannot meet man's demands then man goes and looks for another god it's exactly the culture that we live in today if if man is unhappy he'll go to he'll go to entertainment to seek his happiness and if entertainment fill his happiness he'll go to drink and if drink can't fill his happiness then he'll go to drugs and if drug can't fill his happiness he'll go to more drugs and and that's the day we live in you know we we know that we can't conjure up happiness and we can't create happiness, that only true happiness and holiness comes from the Lord. So, And apparently some of these Athenians um, recognized that and knew that as well because they decided that they would go home and, and think on these things. What do you think? Anybody heard anything about that? we are really intense. Intentive. was was that a different kind of teaching more of us st- I have to improve on my my uh, storytelling and, and get the names right maybe the names yeah, will be in the altar, the but it's interesting knowing, knowing the, story the yeah I like like that wicked Paul Harvey said the rest of the story I, I never knew the rest of the story I just uh, you know I just said well, I was just a superstitious people they just had an altar to um, an unknown God, and there's the ap- 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 Apagus? Apigus, Apigus, something like that. Yeah, wait. No, no, that was just that was their way. They that was that was basically their way of saying we, we know nothing of God. We don't know what pleases him. We don't even know his name, so we will let him choose what his sacrifice is. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so for and it didn't didn't have so much about the color of the sheep, um, but the Bible says that Jesus is a as the blemishless Lamb of God. So we think of blemishless. We think of perfect, no broken legs, no hack sneeze cough, and a uh, a fleece white as snow. So. Uh, Maybe that was just God's way of saying, this is, this is what I'm after. I'm looking for the best that you have. <clears throat> Remember, this is 600 B.C., so this is, this is the same thing that the Jews were doing to sacrifice um, to God at that time. So no, nothing new. I kind of took away from this, and I thought, I wonder if this Antipagus or whatever his name is, I wonder if he thought... That maybe there's something up to that Jewish God and all the stories that he'd heard from, from Egypt and those Jews. And maybe this is the God that's not happy and not pleased with these people. I, I kind of took that away from this. Like maybe he knew a little bit of something about um, this God of Israel, the God of the Jews. And, um, y- you know, m- remember, uh, Moses didn't even know God. What, w- wait a minute, I'm going to go to Pharaoh, I've got to give him your name. What, what, what's your name? I am. Wow, that's weird. I got you. Okay. I am sent me. Who? (laughs) I, I am sent me. Okay. Yeah, Keith. Right, yeah. Yeah, like get on a boat and go find an expert in this field and bring the expert back here and, and do all this and have these councilmen get the Masons together. and Yeah, just I mean, that's exactly what, you know, if they would have just, you know, the plague would have continued and maybe wiped them all out, and then what Paul wouldn't have been preaching to those people at, at Mars Hill. But, but because of the faith, faith of some unbelievers, some pagans, um, they had enough faith to say, well, there's there's a God that's not pleased, there's a God that's not happy, and we need to find out who it is. Uh, so, eternity in their hearts. I think that, um, <clears throat> you know, all men everywhere know intuitively, and and I'm really, I've been kind of skimming through this. I've got a feeling there's probably some Native American stories in here, maybe. I, I know there's the South American people in here, they lost it. They knew they lost it, and all they knew was that someday, we'll get to there, but someday somebody was going to give them information on that God, and when he came, that's it. That's what we lost. So, you know, there's